You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast number 399. I am Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. Uh, so David and I were discussing the fact that he is not able to do the show next week. And next week would be our 400th episode. Of course, we don't really do the big episode celebration type things anyways. No. So it's not that big of a deal. And um, our regular, semi-regular, I should say, co-host that comes on occasionally, Owen Rubin, uh, is now with Apple, as anybody who listened to the show like three weeks ago would know. But next week, he's getting ready for WWDC, so he can't do the show either. Yeah, because that's the Monday, isn't it? So yep. uh, that uh, we would normally record the Friday. So, uh, yeah, he. I guess he's going to have a bit on his plate. A little bit. <laughs> So I don't know if we're going to have a show next week, if I'm going to find another co-host or do a solo show. I don't know. Okay. So we may, 400 may be with David and I a, a week later, or I don't know. We'll find out. But Unfortunately, I'm sailing the high seas, which makes it difficult to you, uh, podcast. You'd think you would have learned your lesson by now. Yeah, I know. It, it worked out so well last time I went on a cruise no. <laughs> to come back early. But uh, this time everyone's coming with me. So if we have any problems, uh, we'll all be affected in one go, in one place. That's right. Everybody dies. <laughs> so let's uh, jump right into some of our stories this week because there's some interesting ones. Um, I was just reading the city of Baltimore is not in good shape because they got hit by a ransomware attack. Yeah, and this is um, this is pretty major because it's been weeks now, and uh, apparently it's pretty much spread through all their systems, and all of the city services are affected. So all the city's online stuff has had to be turned off to protect it from being infected by this crypto ransomware, uh, and uh, email, telephone, everything is all currently not working well, and um, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of well, as as we were talking about before the show, um, if if a large government or a city organisation was allowing people to go around, I don't know, setting setting fires to their buildings, um, yeah, you know, abducting employees, doing the sort of you know physical real world stuff that most people would consider to be terrorism or, or terrorism or both. Um, this would be top of the news agenda and, uh, you know, what is the president going to do to respond and all of this sort of things. But for some reason, cybercrime gets a pass in that people go, oh, isn't it terrible? We, we must fix it. But there doesn't seem to be any real world ramifications of the fact that, uh, you know, Baltimore's not a small place. Is apparently, you know, the government there is paralyzed at the moment. Uh, I just want to know where Jack Bauer is and we need him. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. kind of thing's got to stop. Um, it, uh, eventually, this ransomware is going to hit an organization where it's life and death and people will die. And that's when people will start paying attention. That's when you'll see the men in black show up in foreign countries and just taking people out. And I don't think that these criminal organizations that are running these ransomware understand that that is going to be the natural, conse natural consequences of their actions eventually. Yeah. They are going to get killed because of it. They really will. It's going to happen. They're going to hit a, a, a critical system, and a drone strike is just going to put a missile where they don't want a missile to go. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. It really will. The frustrating thing about this is, yes, with the right resources, you will be able to track these people down. Because sure. it's probably organized crime. And the, the whole point about organized crime is it's organized. It's far easy to find than, um, you know, the lone wolf scenario. Uh, you can't pull this sort of stuff off unless you've got infrastructure and, and people behind it. Um, and that should all be trackable. But the problem is, look, City of Baltimore, apparently, you read the story here in Ars Technica, their IT, their IT systems and their IT security have been a, 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 a matter of public concern for some years. They've had four CIOs. They haven't invested properly. They haven't had the right protections. They haven't had the right policies. They don't even apparently have insurance for this sort of stuff. Um, you know, they, they unfortunately, they are probably one of the least prepared 
organizations to deal with this uh, and that's why they've been hit particularly hard but that that's not that should be no reassurance of, to any, to anybody because it doesn't matter how good your security is all you need is one mistake yeah uh, and they can get in you know it's 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 exactly the same as the parallel about getting sick yeah you can you can bathe in Perel every day you could wear a face mask every day you could try and avoid interacting with as many people as possible if you were absolutely terrified about getting an illness and yet you would still probably at one point get ill because you only need one bug to get into one place at one time and spread um, it's That's how it, it is it's just a natural thing unfortunately when people are out there doing this and and i think you're right i think look we've had this whole business with the uh, u.s government where everyone's been arguing so much about whether there was active collusion with the Russians. That is, everyone seems to have lost sight of the fact that the Russians deliberately used cyber warfare to meddle with the US election. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that is pretty much accepted by all sides as a fact now, and yet nobody's done anything about it. Nobody's trying to say, well, how do we stop this from happening again? How do we protect against it? Because they're all too busy pointing the fingers about what the consequences might have been. And this at Baltimore is, is that in a small scale. Well, this is what happens when you have non-existent or either extremely dumb people at the top or extremely ineffective, not leaders. Um, and that's exactly why stuff like this happens. Baltimore obviously had extremely weak leaders. Nobody was in charge and saying, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Nobody's doing any of that. They've just, I mean, Baltimore, let's be honest, has been, and I don't know if you know this, has been mired in scandal for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it was the epicenter of the Black Lives Matter movement. That's kind of where it started. And so they have more than just they can't get the right IT guy in there. But here's the thing. When you don't have the right guy in there and you don't have leadership that's planning for stuff like this, water systems could be turned off. Um, you know, people stop getting paychecks. And if you're a city employee and you don't get a paycheck, you're probably going to start looking for another job as much as you may be patriotic and Hey, I'm a cop and that's what I want to do. All of a sudden you're not getting paid for it anymore and your bills aren't getting paid for anymore. Yeah. You find out pretty quick. Do you really want to be a cop or do you want to take care of your own family, pay your bills, eat? That's exactly that. That is the problem. And also as well, you know, city infrastructure, you, you said about one or one day this is going to directly kill some people. Yeah. The problem with this is, is this has probably already indirectly killed people because probably when city infrastructure goes down, the people who suffer are people who, you know, perhaps don't have as much as, as other people, you know, uh, illness and um, sickness and hygiene and everything suffers. But a lot of a lot of food programs and things like that will be done by this by the local government. Um, if the garbage isn't being picked up, then that's a vector for disease. That can kill people. There's a whole load of consequences of this that you, you can't necessarily point a finger at and say, oh, yeah, well, the, the systems went down and this person died. But, in fact, people will be suffering and probably dying as a result of this already. Yep. Um, and, and the difficulty is it looks like it's going to take them – when they, they're already talking about, oh, it's going to take weeks to, to sort this out, which probably means it's going to be months, if not years, to sort it out. Uh, it's, it's not good. No. You posted this link to the What If Archive. I did. What What is this? So this is the uh, XKCD. I've never heard of it. No, the, the cartoon. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, you never heard of you've never heard of uh, XKCD. No. So uh, XKCD is a. Um, it's an online web cartoon drawn by a guy called Randall Monroe, who also writes these books about science and this sort of thing. And it's kind of a, a geeky science um, cartoon. It's famous for, um, do you remember the, uh, the, the one that sometimes goes around the internet about having a password? It's easier to have a password with loads of words in it than it is to have a complex, nonsensical password. And he, he kind of demonstrated that if you strung four random English words together, that was a far better password than just having you know some gobbledygook that you get told to change every 90 days um and if you read through some of the historical stuff that in the archive here you know there's there's a lot of interesting stuff he's, he's known for drawing these stick figures but sometimes he does these charts uh and <laughs> I, and the reason i put this in there because it started me thinking about the current massive wave of nostalgia that we're living in 
Um, so this this is a chart that shows when the Wild West era was, which was kind of a you know eighteen sixty up until about nineteen hundred was generally when the the West was wild and there were people walking around you know with the cowboy hats and the you know the guns on their hips and that sort of thing. And then he shows that basically the uh, era where people do fiction about the Wild West series has lasted for you know three times longer than that now. You know, it's been 150 years and it's still going strong. We still like Westworld and um, all the other kind of Wild West things that go on in the media and that sort of stuff. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, sometimes a, a, a trope can pick up and become so popular for, for much more, you know, for, and, and can really kind of distort the impact of the period it's actually based on. You know, I westerns of I I like western movies. They're they've never been my favorite, nor are they my least favorite. They're just kind of right in the middle. You know, Unforgiven's a great movie. I don't like some of the seventy westerns. They all kind of I don't know felt like seventy westerns. Um, yeah. But good westerns are good because they're good movies. So the western genre never really did anything for me. But I do know a lot of people kind of glamorize it. You know, what would it be like to live in the Old West and how great that would be? It would suck. Are you kidding me? You have to go outside into a little room where there's a hole in the ground, and that's where you have to relieve yourself. You, well, can you imagine this? the 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 smells back then and the, no hygiene and the rampant diseases? And Oh, you want to go to the store? Well, you, I hope you have a day. Yeah, um, I think. Have you ever seen? Um, I think uh, Seth MacFarlane, the guy behind Family Guy, did a movie yeah. about this. Yeah, yep. was it Hundred Million Ways to Die in the West or something yes. like that? And basically, he plays a guy who's the only one who who's realised that it actually sucks to live in the West, and he's yes. terrified of being killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it, it would suck there. Yeah, if you if you hover your mouse over this cartoon, he always has like an alt text thing. Uh, on this cartoon, and and he says here, sitting here, oddly trying to figure out how the population of the Old West in the late 1800s compares to the number of Red Dead, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2 players today. Yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to it. It's, it's like we, we like the Wild West when we're seeing it on the screen or we're playing it as a video game. You wouldn't want to live that life. The I food. I, I don't know what they ate, but I can't imagine the food in the Wild West was particularly great. It, no. it, it didn't look like they ate well, you know. And, you know, we think of the Wild West as the American Northwest, Southwest, right? Mm. Except it was kind of like that anywhere uh, other than England. I mean, it, that was kind of what it was in Australia at the time. That's what yeah. it was in Mexico and Canada. But yet somehow the American Northwest is kind of, that's the Wild West, the Texas, the... You know, the Colorado, the Wyoming's, and, you know, the cellar and draw and cowboy hats and spurs and, uh, it's, and the, it was terrible lawlessness. The, the Dakotas. Why, why are the two Dakotas? Uh, because it's, one's north and one's south. <laughs> Did somebody look at Dakota and go, you know what, this is, this is a great barren place and all, but what it really needs is it's split into two in case we're all on top of each other. Well, we do that quite a bit. We have North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. I, I don't understand why they do this. It's like you can't just give it a different name. It's weird. I, I was reading a, there's the, in, uh, the, um, the author of the Jack Reacher books, a guy called Lee Child, um, have you heard of those, Jack Reacher? Yeah, I've read two of his books. Yeah. Um, they're so, okay. They're yeah. kind of simplistic, moronic. Yeah. But, you kind of know are, where they're going. They are very, very popular. Mm -hmm. um, and he is an English guy. I said simplistic, moronic. <laughs> but he, uh, he was born in Coventry here in Britain. He doesn't live here anymore. He lives out in the States. I believe he lives on a ranch in Wyoming or somewhere like that. And... Um, Bless he was his in heart. Uh, yeah. Well, he was in. He apparently loves Wyoming. I'm pretty sure it's Wyoming. Uh, but he did say he said Wyoming is, is a place the size of Britain with the population of Leicester. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leicester's not a very big place. No. <laughs> 
Now, there's, you know, we always talk about population problems here in the U.S., and it's like, if you get in a plane in New York and fly to Los Angeles, you quickly realize we don't have a problem. We just, everyone has to stop living on top of each other problem. Yeah. You know, we, we've got plenty of room. It's like, it's like that everywhere. I mean, Britain is a small country, but there's a lot of space that we don't live on. Well, yeah, I've watched okay. Top Gear, and I'm like, look, look at all the space they got. What are they talking about? And yet we're all crammed on top of each other. In yep. It's really weird. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's why we kind of developed this claustrophobia thing in our societies nowadays. Well, yeah, you live right on top of each other. Um, yeah, I would not want to live in the Wild West. No. Okay. I'm quite happy where I'm at. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this company's name. I've heard it 20 different ways now. Huawei. 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 Who cares? That's, that's what my Chinese handler tells me to call it. Huawei. <laughs> yeah, when, um, when, uh, my, uh, my, my handler rings me up and says, you know, tells me what, what information he needs this week, then then that's what he calls it, Huawei. So that company yeah. was basically blacklisted by the U.S. government now. And the, the U.S. government's saying, hey, we're not going to use your products if you rely on their technology. Uh, it really comes down to that Huawei pretends that they're this big Apple-like company and you know they're they're completely independent but they're not i mean they're in a pure communist country the government 100% controls this company and a lot of people for a long time suspected that they were putting back doors in a lot of their technology for spying purposes and i don't know enough about it to to be to make an educated guess but i will anyways mhm uh, I think that's exactly what they've been doing. I think that this is one of China's back doors into the rest of the world. I think that they can't be trusted. I really don't think they can be. I, yeah, this is. I think this is a far more complicated issue than perhaps it appears. Um, for a start, there have been these rumblings about Huawei for some time. Yep. Um, that they are effectively state-owned. Uh, and obviously... They are, whether they are or not, they are certainly in a position to uh, put stuff into their technology that would allow them to get a, a leg up on the information of the Western world. Yep. Um, and what what kind of bothers me slightly about this is that is that looking at it from a deep technical perspective, it would be possible to, if we put the resources in, to figure out if that was going on, and what bothers well, me slightly about what's going on at the moment, particularly at the moment, is that there has been very little evidence presented that, that this is actually going on. There is just the threat that it might be going on. And the issue I have is that at that point it becomes quite political. And sure enough, I saw something on, on the news this morning that apparently your president, who has instituted this ban, yeah, and let's not forget, at the, at the same time is in the middle of uh, what effectively be trying to start a huge, well, has started a huge trade war with China, yeah? He, I, I saw him on the news this morning saying, well, you know, we could come, we could come to a trade deal and, and we might be then be able to allow Huawei. It's like, well, either they are spying on you or they're not. Right. When he says th things like that, unfortunately, you could then start thinking, well, maybe this is just part of the trade war and it's not actually real. And, and I think the, the difficulty is we've never been given evidence that this actually goes on. Well, we and do it, know that they steal technology yes, from the West. But, but That's that, been going on forever. But that 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 brings me to us to a slightly uh, kind of uh, the reason I say it's more complicated. I think there is an issue with that. I think China as a country is. I think we all recognise. I mean, let's face it. You and I did it a couple of weeks ago with some of the witch.com stuff. They pay fast, play fast and loose with intellectual property property, particularly if it's non-Chinese intellectual property. Yep. They are quite happy to uh, beg, steel. borrow, steal, to, um, you know, to clone stuff, to put their own badges on it, 
potentially to make it better, sometimes to make it worse. Um, they will they will happily do that, and that is also a problem. Uh, and if they are stealing the guts of other people's uh, technology to be able to make their own, yet less they do need to be stopped from doing that. But that is not spying. That is corporate espionage, which is something very different. Um, one threatens national security. The other one is illegal and unpleasant uh, and should be stopped, but does not threaten national security. And, and I, I think part of the problem here is that the, some of these two issues, particularly in the more simplistic minds of people as, the, as you go up the political chain, have got these issues conflated. And um, just, but, you know, they're just bad actors. And, and let's, not, let's not forget, um, plenty of Western companies have been caught doing the same thing or different things that are just as bad. So um, I, I, the difficulty I have is that there's a lot of noise around this, a lot of smoke, but I've not seen very much real fire that justifies some of the rhetoric that's going on at the minute. And that concerns me because ultimately companies like Huawei, they are a competitor um, and they should have a right to compete on a living playing field with everybody else if they're abiding by the law. Yeah, but they haven't been. Um, I think we all recognize that companies like Huawei just outright steal from uh, Western companies. Yeah. But Samsung does that too, and they're not a Chinese yeah. company; they're a Korean company. Well, I don't think it's a Chinese thing, personally, for me. Yeah, uh, I think that traditionally Asian companies have been doing this for a very long time, and I think the next big region that's going to get into this would be India. I think they're going to do exactly the same thing. Um, there has to be something to put into place to protect the companies that actually do create these markets and innovate the software and hardware and for somebody to come in and just outright steal it uh there should be consequences i think there should be bans that hey you're going to steal uh stuff from companies in the uk and you're going to steal stuff from uh, the u.s uh you're not we're not opening up our markets to your product it's just not going to happen that's absolutely fine but that is not the reason that's being given for banning Huawei. Absolutely The reason not. being given is national security. Now, the problem is you don't change people's bad behavior by accusing them of something they might not be doing as, a, as an excuse for banning them. Yeah? If, you've got, if somebody is a burglar, yeah, and they are the world's best burglar, and they burgled hundreds of thousands of people's homes and accumulated massive property, yeah, you will not stop them burgling by arresting them and charging them with a murder they didn't commit. Now, you know did what you I mean? watch the Huawei came out with this uh, open invitation to the press? Yeah, now you can it, come that is- and in well, you know, yeah. we're going to show you we're not doing this. One uh-huh. news organization actually took them up on it, and that was Vice News. Yeah, and they went there, and I watched that special. I don't know if you watched it or not. No, it, it's it was comical. Well, it's, it's yes, look. Something like that doesn't... If you invite the press in and, and give them a, a, a dog and pony show, I think we all recognize that counts for absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what? North Korea's been doing that for ages. They, that doesn't mean they've not had nuclear weapons. The, the, the part that really cracked me up was they're in an Apple store, but it's not an Apple store. It's a Huawei store. Mm. And the guy literally says, does this place remind you of anything? And the guy's like, no, what? Like, what? It's exactly the same as an Apple store. Well, you know... Microsoft has their store. Everyone has their stores. Yeah. Uh, this isn't inherently like an Apple store. No, it was exactly like an Apple. To, everything was exactly like an Apple store. And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, in my mind. That's why companies like this should be banned from the U.S., not for national security, unless you, it's provable. Yeah. Um, but because, you know what? Stop stealing. Yeah, but if you, this is the thing. If the politicians are saying, we, we, we don't want them here because they steal our stuff, that'd be fine. But that's not what we're saying to them. And uh, there is an also an element here of cutting off our nose to spite our faces. Because there's a reason that Huawei is... Uh, the, well, the big problem is not so much people's phones, because that's as big a business as that is. That's quite a small part of what Huawei does. They make an awful lot of networking kit that goes in the middle of the cellular networks. Um, and the difficulty we're going to have is that, you know, everyone's doing this mad rush towards 5G. Uh, and if we don't use Chinese companies to deliver that infrastructure, it's not going to happen. Because yeah, basically they lead, they lead the market 
and the their a lot of their supposed competitors have given up and said, you know what, we don't do this anymore. There are no, there are very few big companies that can do some of the some of the equipment that Huawei makes. Um, and you know, yes, those other companies are going to make a killing because they'll be able to charge what they want now, which means we all pay more. So, but in know, exchange, that, we just let them. St- continue to steal from i I mean this kind of goes right towards you know what we've talked about with these counterfeit brands on amazon putting legitimate businesses that actually innovate and and someone takes a chance and quits their job and invents something and these chinese companies come in and just rip them off completely and then an amazon is completely complicit in letting that happen they're happy to take their cut of these counterfeit that's the kind of behavior i'm trying to get at And and when they say national security, which means, hey, if you do business with them and us, we're going to cut you off, too. That's why ARM is now looks like they're going to be cutting off Huawei as well. And this is this is starting to turn into such a a problem for Hawaii. It may put them out of business. I don't think it will because they're a state sponsored company. But I look, I think. As I said, I think if you were accusing them of the thing they're actually doing and telling them to cut it out, that'd be one thing. I think the game that's being played here is very dangerous, is that we're accusing them of something that we're not actually convinced is going on. And if it is going on, it's probably at quite a low level. It's not a mass market level. It's not like every single thing that comes out of Huawei is a spying machine. Because if it was, we would know. Yeah, And the difficulty is, is that at some point, China are just going to turn around and say, look, you're accusing us of something we're not doing, um, and you're, you're directly threatening the comp- you know, one of our businesses and all of that. China are going to start hitting back. And the, the difficulty at the moment is that, uh, you know, at the moment, China is just sitting there and taking this. They're not, they're not uh, reprising. There are no reprisals. Yeah, it makes you wonder why, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because because they don't want to poison the well. They don't. They, ultimately, we we all need each other, and you know they they are just sitting there and taking it at the moment. They're considering they want. At some point, they're going to say, you know what, stupid buffoon president or not, we're going to start hitting back. And the thing is, that we don't realise is that an awful lot of the Western world is actually physically owned by China. Yep. They own the buildings. They own the finance. Yeah, and when they start turning the screws, boy, are we all going to suffer. Um, so unless, unless the nations of the world just says, nah, you know what, all that property that you own, null and void. It's, it's too late. We are too, we are too dependent on them. Yeah, mm. we've, we've walked, with globalization, we've walked into this situation where we have, we've got a mutual codependency. Right, and, but the problem with that is that they're not living up to their, their end of the globalization promise. Absolutely fine, but you've got to sort that out. Instead of accusing them of something they're probably we've tried. not doing. The Western world has tried to do that with China for 20 years not, now. We've not really. And it's only getting worse. We've not really gone to town with to them over intellectual property theft. We just sat back and let it happen. Well, yeah. but every time we you try, know, it just gets worse. No, because it, you know what? Western corporations are far, far more interested in prosecuting their own citizens for intellectual property theft than they are about going to the source. Oh, I agree yeah? with that. They'll shut down, yep. the, you know, they'll shut down the napses of this world and they'll send letters of, uh, threatening letters and fines to people who download MP3 songs. At the main, at the main time, they, they will let uh, factories in China turn out counterfeit products and they will do absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Well, there's, it's hard for them to do anything about it when no, it's government it's not, it's, it's not condoned there. It's not hard. Nothing is hard if you've got the will to do it. The reason they, they go after their own citizens rather than Chinese, China is it's just cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper and it's less effort. So they'd rather do that rather than actually go to the source. And this, you know, this whole national security thing is, a, is another example of that same problem. It's much harder to go to China and say you're copying our stuff uh, and we want to stop it because then you've got to start inspecting everything and comparing it and you know, identifying where the where the the copying is happening is difficult, and where, whereas it's actually quite easy to turn around and say we think you're spying, so therefore we're going to put a ban on all your stuff. Yeah, but the difficulty is is you, you know, you're, you you've we've all been in that situation. We all remember from being kids, right? Where you mm-hmm. you know we were always messing up. Yeah, we were always doing things we didn't want our parents to find out about. Yeah. 
And yet, when you got yelled at for your par- by your parents for something you hadn't done, the sense of true injustice, even though you knew you were a dark-hearted little individual who was constantly scamming your parents and running things past them and hoping to get away with it, the point is the injustice you felt when you got accused of doing something you hadn't actually done was palpable. It, it was made me furious. Right, so why is it... The so why aren't they feeling, furious? They are furious. I bet nah. you they are furious, and I bet you. I think you they're know. not furious because they know that this is going on. I really do think China is using this company to spy. I think that they've. It's well known. I I think the problem is is that if you I think if you're going to do that, why not get your technician get technicians to pull some of this kit apart, figure out how they're doing it, and then present it and say, look, this is how it's being done. Because well, because te- that's that's taking it to a different level. It's, it's technology. It's not impossible. It's perfectly easy to disassemble this stuff and figure out how it's being done. It's being done all the time. Yet that Baltimore thing we were just talking about, the security specialists know exactly how that works. Sure. They know exactly who the people are. It can be done if you want to get to the bottom of it. Just they aren't interested in doing that. And, and See, I the think some of the are, problem here is it's Trump. Yeah. I think people don't believe Trump. Because well, he's he showed that he lies all the time. Well, so. well exactly, and also yep. he showed he showed that you know for all his accus as I said for all his accusations about national security, he said, oh yeah, we could probably do a deal and get Hawaii back in," which implies it's not that serious. It's either well one of two things: it's either not that serious, um, and it's a major thing, or alternatively, he's he's just basically lying about the whole thing because he just wants to lump it into the trade war. Yeah. You know. It's not a good situation, no matter how you look at it. I usually come down on, <clears throat> you know, let the best products win. The consumers will make up their minds on what's worth buying and what's not worth buying. And I would I would hope that consumers would go buy the originators, the people who are doing it right, that really do care about the customer, Um the problem is I don't think there's a lot of companies like that anymore. No. And, uh, you know, it, a- I think Apple has had massive success with the iPhone. And I think Android has had massive success because they copy the iPhone. Um, I know some people may disagree with that. I don't think it's disagreeable at all. I mean, there was no Android the way it is until the iPhone came out. They just they aped everything. I mean, they copied everything, um, and they have major success. So nothing is created in a vacuum, but when you literally steal and don't pay the originators, that's where I have a problem. Hey, you know, you, you come up with a car, I can come up with a car too. You know what I mean? Yep. And you would think that, you'd hope anyways, that the consumer... Maybe they'll stick with the original because, hey, that, that's the people that really put the time and the effort into it. All the other ones are just copycats. They're just writing down their success. Hmm. You know, reward the one who took the risk. Yeah, That's but, what I would like to see, but it doesn't happen. So here's the thing. You know, I told you that um, I have uh, this new broadband scheme at home, with, which is Wireless Mobile. Yeah, The company uh, I bought that from sent me a Huawei router, uh, 4G router. To, to use with that. Now, I guarantee you that if I rang up um, 3, which is the mobile phone company, and said, oh, I see all this in the news that these uh, these things are spying on me. I want it replaced with something else. They would turn around and say, no. And then they would say, it's not spying on you. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm going, I then go, well, the government is telling me that it's insecure, that it's spying on me. And they're going to go, no, it's not. So what exactly does that mean? How does that allow the consumer to make a rational choice? Well, it it doesn't really, does it? It doesn't. (laughs) They are sending out hundreds of thousands of these routers to customers all over the place. At the same time, all the politicians are saying the stuff is spying on you. It's insecure. So what what does it mean to, to any of us? It doesn't mean anything. Now, I think the thing you're talking about is a far more persuasive argument. I think if politicians are saying they're stealing our stuff and we've got to make a stand against it, people could get behind that. And then I could go to my company, they're stealing our stuff. I'm not accepting this product from you. Um, And then enough customers do that and then companies start going, you know what, we can't really start handing these these things out anymore because 
public opinion is turning against us. Well, one thing public opinion isn't turning against is you and I inviting people to hang out with us. So smooth. I know, right? At MacStock. Of course, MacStock is happening just, we're a little over, what, two months away now? Is it that is it that soon already? Yes, and end of July, so third well, week of July, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's uh, July twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Of course, Dave and I are going to get together before that. We're actually going to get together on July twenty sixth at noon at Galloping Ghost Arcade. Uh, it should be a good time. Mm-hmm. So at the Max Stock Expo, um, Guy Searle and I are getting back together. We're going to do the OWC My Mac Quiz. Should be a lot of fun. OWC is going to be the sole provider of the prizes, so you know it's going to be some really cool stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I, 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 guys I, sent over some quiz questions. I haven't even looked at them yet, to be honest. I've been yeah. too busy. Uh, but I probably should. I mean, we've got 63 days before the be- be- yeah. event begins. It gives me about 50 days to really, well, create the entire quiz from scratch. <laughs> and let me, let me tell you from experience, guys. Yeah, guys and girls. Any of you sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I'm, you think I'm going to turn up for some silly quiz where I get a bit of uh, swag like a T-shirt and all of that? No, 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 no. This is good, expensive, quality stuff that's going to be handed out. Well, that's what these quizzes are about. Yeah, we're talking of hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of gear. So you got to remember, the same company that sponsors this episode of TechFan is also partnering up with the MyMac website and MacStock to promote this event. So we're going to give away some really cool stuff. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's kind of a wink and nod, but we want everyone to win. Yeah. And and I'm not going to say we're going to cheat, but we're going to go out of our way to make sure that those who participate will get something. Hmm. Um, yeah. We're going to finalize the kind of the format that we did, uh, that we're going to do on the MyMac quiz. We'll see how it goes. Um the thing is, you know, Guy Searle works the crowd in the crowd. I work the crowd and the questions from the stage. Uh, it's just a fun time at the end of the day. Um, and we do want to thank our sponsor for uh, sponsoring the quiz. It's OWC. So if you guys are looking for some tech, go to MacSales.com. Um, they've been sponsoring this show for a long time, and I don't mind at all sharing the stage with them at MacStock. Be a lot of fun. And the money goes to MacStock. It doesn't come to me. <laughs> this is to make that clear. Uh, what else we got in the news, David? Uh, what have we got in the news? We have got um, the more stealing complaints from Chinese companies. We have uh, a creator of a video claiming this, that... This, this cracks me up. I mean, this does go to the point you were just making about them stealing stuff. Uh, basically, Lenovo, in a desperate rush to show that they are still relevant as a phone company, uh, rushed out a, a press event and a video showing that the folding phone that they're developing. Um, that uh, The Razor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the return of the Razor. Return of the Razor. If you imagine, yeah, a Razor, but with instead of on the inside... It had the buttons and the screen at the top. It was basically one smartphone. That's kind of what they're proposing here. So it's completely different from the other ones because it folds uh, lengthways rather than uh, yeah. in the middle. Completely you know, different. Like a book, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is is that um, perpetuating the idea that this, in fact, was a rush job and this thing might not even exist <laughs> is that the render they showed was completely lifted from a uh, YouTube video. Who's who? The first he knew about it was when he saw this uh, saw this being pushed around the web as as, a, as an announcement. So he basically created his own. He's got his own tech channel, and uh, he created his own uh, video render, as a lot of people like to do on the internet. They like to conceptualize things, um, and he imagined what a razor phone might look like if it was a a folding smartphone, and apparently. Um, Lenovo thought it looked really good because they just said, "Look, this is what we're doing." So even if they, if they, even if they hadn't asked his permission, which they didn't, um, they would be stealing his idea because presumably they'd never thought about doing a folding uh, razor phone until they saw his video. So yeah, it's all um, very, very unfortunate. 
It's hilarious because this guy's render, I actually watched the movie, is pretty compelling. Yeah. When you see it, you're like, okay, it's definitely taking that classic 19, well, I guess it would be, what, 2005-ish, 2006, at the height of the Razor's popularity, the Motorola Razor. Some people say, wait, you said Lenovo. They bought Motorola. Yeah. Um, at the height of its popularity, the Razor was a sexy phone at the time. Uh, no, no joke, I wanted one. And I was almost going to pull the trigger when the strong rumors about Apple coming out with the phone surfaced. And I thought, eh, I'm going to hold off for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm, obviously, I'm glad I did because I ended up going with the iPhone instead. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that that Motorola phone was pretty cool at the time. So, And you look at them now, they're still kind of cool. They feel good in the hand, the way they closed, the curves. It's a good-looking phone. So what would that be like in today's day and age where the entire, when you open it up, the entire thing is a screen, all of it. There's no physical buttons. It's all screen, but obviously it would be foldable. So this fan, if you will, made his own promo video of what that could look like. And he did a damn good job. It looks really sexy. looks functional. You could totally see this on a shelf. Yeah. And if, Lenovo obviously it, agreed. Well, the, the thing is, is yeah, the guy who made the video, you know, he has no idea whether this is possible. The render is is basically um, it's, it's it's using magic materials that apparently can fold a full sharp ninety degrees without breaking or flexing or anything like that at all. Um, and bearing in mind the complete and utter cock up that Samsung has just made of their foldable phone, it's a pretty good idea that we can speculate that this thing does not exist inside Lenovo. Because if it did, maybe they'd been able to show some real pictures of their prototype rather than stealing some guy's video off YouTube. They've got some prototypes on... Uh, huh. I'm looking at the this website, and they've got a foldable phone vertically that actually does... looks like it does exactly that, but it kind of looks pretty janky. Well, not only that, this is all Chinese and Japanese, so you can't really tell what's being said about these products. Right. Um, and whether they're even the same thing, uh, whether these are actually from Lenovo. Lenovo has form in the past. They have, for products that are actually on the way, they have uh, run renders and videos that kind of show products that don't have the features when they actually ship. Well, everybody does that. No, no, but I'm I'm not talking about, you know, well, sli slightly exaggerate. I'm talking about completely different. For instance, you know, phones. There's, there's a mention here is of, of a, a phone they launched that looked like it had impossibly thin be bezels uh, and no notches and anything like that. And then the one they actually started selling had thick bezels and, and a notch. So it was nothing like the render they they put out at all. So um, you know, look, I, as, as you were saying before, it does seem to be with you know some Chinese companies. That this this appears to be all fair in love and war. It's like you know hype hype thing up, and then if you don't deliver it, well, you know, sorry, here's what we've got. Yeah, or completely steal it from somebody. Yeah, or or sometimes both. <laughs> well, more often than not, both. Yeah, it's um, it's a cool concept. I, would it get me away from an iPhone? No, of course not. Uh, would it get some people away from their current phone? Maybe. Uh, you know, yeah. it, we got to go back a, maybe a year and a half where I said cell phones are just boring now. Uh, I stick with that. They're extremely boring. Mm -hmm. There's nothing exciting about the iPhone, period, anymore. It's a mass consumer product. Any updates are, you know, incremental well, at the uh, most. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like getting a new Lincoln. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got a bit more chrome on it. Uh, it may it, it's gotten slightly bigger and it might have a couple of cool new features on it. I really don't want to like overly diminish that. You know, the current iPhones are the best iPhones they've ever made, and we've got a lot. And of they the will be again next yeah. year, and, and then yeah, the year that's, after. That's right. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of the of the ten R's here in my company, and everyone has received one is really happy with it and feels it's much much better than the previous successes they had. So, uh, you know, it's not to diminish the fact that the phones are getting better. It's just that they're, they're, not, getting better, they're not getting in a better way that's stunningly exciting. They're just being evolved. They're boring. And I've been struck by this. I'm, I'm currently using a, an iPhone SE because I'm traveling 
on holiday and I don't like to take my company phone away with me in case I lose it or it gets stolen. So um, I break out my oils, break out my old SE when I'm traveling. So earlier this week, I switched my SIM over and uh, reinstalled my um, iPhone 8 Plus system to my SE, and I'm using that at the minute. And, and it, part of that has made me realize that these folding phones are trying to solve a problem that's already solved. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make something big smaller. Yeah, because people, they like to have the big screens, but what they don't like to have is the bulk. Yep. And so folding phones is one idea to try and deal with that. Uh, now, moving back to the smaller phones has made me realize that probably the best solution to that, if you want a smaller, lighter thing in your pocket, is just to have a smaller phone. Um, and it's amazing how once you get used to it, after you move away from the 8 Plus that I've been using, is that... Yes, this phone screen is tiny in comparison, but you know what? It's perfectly usable and does the job. You know? that, that's the key right there. It does the job fine. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I think, and, and everyone knows that these SEs, um, every time Apple releases them as refurbs, they sell out very quickly as hotcakes. Uh, people actually like this phone, uh, despite the fact that it's nothing like the current models in terms of functionality. No. Uh, and the the reason they I think the reason they like it because it's kind of something I'm enjoying is it it's so pocketable, you know? it, it still is. does everything my bigger phone does, but is very very pocketable compared to my bigger heavier phone. Now don't get me wrong, I will go back to my big phone afterwards because I'm getting older, my eyes aren't what they used to be. But um, if my eyes were better, you know what, I might stick with something this size. There's something to be said for smaller. Is more portable. <laughs> I mean, it just yeah, is. yeah. If if only people have realised that the smaller you make it, the easier it is to carry. I mean, it, it, you know, I know it's a wacky concept, but there you go. Yeah, as that with the box thinking right there, Tim. Smaller is more portable. That's right. That's, you, heard, that's, you heard it here on TechFan first. <laughs> that's why this show is such the monster hit that it is. That's right. We're cutting it's edge. dazzling insights like. That's right. Cutting edge, baby. We're ahead of the curve. Uh, the last thing that you posted was on uh, BBC News, how computing's first killer app changed everything. And as soon as I said that, I thought, oh, this is probably about Visicel. Yeah. Because that is considered, uh, historically, the very first killer app. And uh, I don't know if they call it an app back then. I think they call it the killer application or something like that. Or like did they call it program app? or package or they said it, it was an app yeah it, they it really did change everything um well, i i think actually this is the uh, the, the unsung hero of computing because you know what everyone always I don't think very it's very unsung even steve Jobs said that the success of the apple II is directly related to the success and the release of physical i think he i th- Perhaps not unsung then, but perhaps unappreciated. I would say that's probably yeah. true for the majority of the people out there. Yeah, um, and and I would say it's as big. It's had as big an impact on the world as the web as the World Wide Web has in the web browser. Spreadsheets have been uh, the bane of every company's existence forever. You got to know what's cost what, and if one price changes, it's going to change things way down the line. And spreadsheets was how you kind of kept track of that. And that's what accountants did for companies like Sears and law firms and you name it, every business. And so if you made one small change, you had to have your um, your person, <laughs> yeah. your, your finance fact, person. Back then they were called computers. The people yeah. who did this were called computers. And yeah, they had to change everything. You change yeah. a number, and then you had to recalculate everything related to that number on a spreadsheet, which was a physical grid of paper. Yeah. Yeah, and you had to rub all the numbers out as you recalculated them, and it was easy to make a mistake, and you couldn't make it too complicated. Um, and it took ages. So here's a kid. in Well, it wasn't a kid, but we'll say kid. Um, named Dave Bricklin, sitting in a classroom at Harvard Business School, watching... Um, I guess he was going. He was an accountant. He was yeah. a lecturer about accounting and he was watching them do this on the blackboard. Yeah, and this was like, why? who would ever do this? Why not just use a computer? So that's what he did. He actually went and created this program and uh, 
released into the wild. It changed everything. People literally, businesses went out and bought an Apple II just to run this program. Yeah. And it put 400,000 people out of business, which you think, oh my God, that's terrible. Except it created 600,000 jobs. I would, At least. I would argue the modern business world would not exist without the spreadsheet. I it's would totally agree. The type of financial calculations that people do nowadays, um, you know, for even the smallest of businesses are just not... Well, put it this way, it would, it's not possible for you to run your own business without using a spreadsheet. And if you had to do that without having a computer to do it, you had to do it the old manual way... I would suggest that an awful lot of small businesses just could not exist because the only way you could do it back then before you had a computer was doing it manually with a pencil, uh, an eraser, and a calculator. And you needed somebody who had experience to do that, so you had to pay someone. I would yeah. also suggest that VisiCalc wasn't just about making spreadsheets easier to do. It's also what put computers in homes and businesses yeah. that never had them before. And then once they were in those locations, the inevitable question was asked, well, what else can we do with this thing? Yeah. What else can this do for our business? What else can this do when it's sitting here at home? Is it just a spreadsheet machine? Well, no, there's look at all these other programs I can buy for it. Yeah. You know, gave rise to database and, you know, well, uh yeah, here's the other thing about a spreadsheet is that most a database is, is a sort of thing that I mean you know you've done FrameMaker, you know what databases are. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've done DBase and stuff like that in the past. I know what a big kind of database is. But it's, most most websites you, people visit are nothing but databases. Yeah, but the point is, is databases are hard. They're an expert system that you really need to kind of become an expert in to use. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that. Anybody can use a spreadsheet as a database because the, the model that, that sits in the heart of modern high-tech database systems, is, is it starts with what you see in the spreadsheet, which is a table. Yep. Yeah, that's, what, that's all databases are, is, is an incredibly complicated, rapidly computed and optimized set of tables joined together. But the point is, for most people, most people don't need a database program. If they no. just they, they just need something they can do some tables in if they want to store um, some information. And anybody can sit down and do that on the spreadsheet. The beauty of the spreadsheet is that the grid of of empty cells is intuitive to people. I would argue it's far more intuitive than even a word processor program. Oh, I'd agree. Yeah? Yeah, because basically everyone kind of understands, here's a grid, you put something in the grid, and once you've put it in a place in the grid, it stays there until you change it. Oh, and by the way, it's very easy to point a different cell in the grid to that thing you've put in there and cross-reference it. Because all you have to do is say, well, use this thing here. Use yep. this thing at A2. Yeah, and, and it's, it's blindingly simple. And yet it scales out to something that can be incredibly complicated and incredibly and functional. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, this is why I think spreadsheets really are the unsung heroes. I know um, even nowadays in, in business, I find uh, in modern business, a lot of people won't touch spreadsheets or don't like to touch spreadsheets unless they have a, a job that needs it. All of, all of the consultants that I work with here in my company – yeah, the only times we use spreadsheets for most of them is when we have to uh, come up with a costing estimate. So what we do is we put in the hours we think, you know, the phases of a job we're going to do and the hours we think it's going to do and who's going to do it. And then it calculates how much that job is, 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 has got to be uh, priced in order for us to make a profit. Yeah, and somebody does that for us. We don't do it ourselves. Most of the consultants I know won't use spreadsheets unless they absolutely have to because they kind of are a little bit afraid of them. Yeah, that's... To use, yeah, they're quite happy to use a word processor. They're quite happy to, you know, use something like Microsoft Project to draw out a, a chart showing, you know, when we're going to do what in various days and everything. They're kind of a bit nervous about us, about using a spreadsheet. But for anybody who, uh, but that's a, that's a, a modern historical thing. Back in the day, you know, if you wanted to get anything done, then you would sit down, and you'd start figuring it out on a spreadsheet. And I know people today who will still do as much as they can on a spreadsheet rather than use a different program. I think the point of this article is to showcase that, and it says right in here, according to the Planet Money podcast in the U.S. alone, uh, there are 400,000 fewer accountant clerks today than in 1980, which is true. Yep. But because of the rise of the computer in 
no thanks in small part to Vizcal. Um, how many more jobs were created because of it? So when you take that historical look, should you really be afraid of the coming robot invasion taking our jobs? Well, in some respects, yeah. And in other respects, no, because it's going to create different new jobs. As they, yeah, as they always say, <laughs> a, robot, a robot may come and take your job, but if you're trained to fix the robot, then you've got a job. Mm-hmm. You know? There's always a consequence, and it's not always a negative consequence. Everyone likes to point out, oh, you do this, there's going to be a consequence. Yes, but why do you assume it's going to be a negative consequence? Because I don't think anybody really wants to work in a warehouse sorting products. I I don't think they do. They'd much rather be doing something else. You go to any person that works at an Amazon warehouse and say, hey, if you can make the same amount of money doing almost anything else, would you do it? Hell yes, they would do it. Yep. And And they will. Yeah, we had had an email this week from Brandon. Um, uh, Sorry, Brendan, our, our... long-time contributor, and he was harking back to when we were talking about Uber and um, things like that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the disrupting technology. Exactly. He he was saying, you know, companies like Google and Uber are are not technology companies. They are, you know, they are what they look like. Uber is a taxi company, and they are exploiting people using technology to uh, to try and make out that there's something other than a taxi company. And he says, just in the same way that Google is just an advertising company, they are not what they make themselves out to be, they are just exploiting technology to exploit people. I have, I do have some sympathy with, with that view. Um, I do, know, except yeah. Uber was created to be a taxi company. That's what yeah. it was made to do. Google wasn't originally created to be an advertising company. No, that's, but that's not what, what they that's started. What be, that's what they've become, though. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. No question about it. They are an advertising company. Yeah. They're taking our data and they're selling it for money to advertisers so yeah. they can promote their products to us. And and we've all heard the and, and Facebook is the same thing. They're an advertising company. Um, everyone's heard the rumors or the stories now of, hey, I was talking to my friend on the phone that I want to get some shoes, and a half hour later I'm on Facebook and I'm seeing ads for shoes. How the hell does that happen? I don't know. But it's hard to argue with that kind of uh, anecdotal evidence because you weren't there. It, could it be a coincidence? Sure, but it seems to those coincidences seem to be pretty prevalent. Yes. Let me leave you with this thought. Um, today I was on eBay's website. Now I'm normally running an ad blocker on my computer so i don't see the ads at the side of of uh, ebay um i forget what i was doing but there was something that i was trying to do on the website and it wasn't working oh that's right there was a list of products i was looking at and it said there were like a thousand results but i could only see the first 50 and the buttons to go on to the next set of results weren't there and i thought maybe my ad blocker had blocked them so i turned off my ad blocker and reloaded the page to see if they came back they didn't by the way so i don't know what's going on there but here's the funny thing. You know what came up as the first ad on the right-hand side of the page? It was an ad for a um, an HDMI dongle that would allow you to pick up digital TV signals at, a, at an expanded range. Here's what <laughs> everyone's doing to replace their uh, aerial in their, in their uh, TV, it said. And I thought, hmm... I know that sort of product. In fact, I was talking about that with Tim last week, and the internet knows. That's that's the thing. If if, if somebody knows now, the internet knows. Yeah. And that's right. And the thing is, I was on a different computer because I was at work. I was on a different network, and yet somehow it still knows. Dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, you know what? That is the stunning security power of Huawei. That's right. It's it's that router you've got sitting there, I told you. (laughs) It's the Chinese government reporting to eBay on what ads to show you. Yeah. (laughs) So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Uh, We'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter uh, at techfanpodcast. And, of course, we are on Facebook as well. And uh, hi to the Chinese government listening. Yeah. And what's uh, what's Chinese for hello? Uh, hello. <laughs> Hi. Oh. I think that's what it is. Hi. 
Uh, wait, no, that's American. Hi. Uh, ni, ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao. All right. We're out of here. See you next <laughs> Well, I won't see you next week, but. I won't see you next week, but yeah. uh, at some point in the future. Yeah. Doing something next week, maybe. <laughs> well, David and I will definitely be back in two weeks. Yeah. See you then. Bye. Bye.